0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I'm deeply honored to be here, and uh, we've had a great weekend. Happy birthday, Oceans Church. Um, Now that you're two, speaking of two, my beautiful granddaughter, Rose Moon Maiden is here. She's two years old. Rosie, hi, Rosie. Hi, Rosie. Mm. My son, uh, Tim and Melissa, his wife, they live in Laguna Beach. We're super excited that they're with us today. He's bragging on my son. He's quite a musician. You can uh, find him on Spotify and uh, <laughs> He's got some great songs. He's about to write some, he's already written, about to record some great piano stuff too. So I'm excited for what he's doing. All of his artistic friends don't know that he was a uh, champion athlete, Division I basketball player, University of Texas point guard. And uh, so I have to help bragging my son since people don't even know who he is. Before he played the piano, he played Ball, and uh, could still could still play, so super excited. They've opened up a company called Cove Chocolate. Um, it's just brand new, and they're going to be what's that uh, grocery store? Whole Foods. You could buy um, Cove Chocolate at Whole Foods. So, um, I don't know about you. I was, I was doing good in the in the in the guest room. Just sitting there, and, and the, the lovely girls walked in with a whole plate full of chocolate donuts. It was like the devil himself walked in the room. You know, how am I supposed to resist that? I had one. And, uh, but it was, it was great. Thank you, Pastor Mark and Rochelle. I'm very honored to be with you. We're so proud of you, and we're so excited that God sent world-class leaders to birth this church. Would you tell your pastors how much you love and appreciate both of them? Amazing people, and I think today uh, uh, two of those songs, right, were written by the the group today, and just um, incredible, uh, gifted people all around the ministry here. So thank you, everyone that serves and participates in the church. You've made such a difference, and we're excited about what God's done, and we're excited about what God's going to do. The best is yet to come for Ocean's Church, and. Really for Orange County in your life. I want to be sharing some thoughts. Before I do, I want to show a picture of, their, of my family, including Tim and Melissa, uh, my, my little tribe of, this one from Christmas this year, and uh, that's my wife next to me. We've been married 41 years, and our five oldest grandkids there, and our daughter, her husband BJ, and my daughter uh, Christina and Matthew, they live in Laguna Beach. They couldn't get off work today. And then uh, Tim and Melissa, Rosie, my son Matthew, and his Dakota. Dakota and Rosie are just a month apart, and his wife Candace. Then uh, the older five kids I call the Fab Five. And uh, so that's our, our beautiful family. We're so grateful for all of them. And I'm excited uh, uh, today. I really like being with you, but the best thing that happened today was me getting to see Rose, Rose Moon um, and uh, my son Tim. I'm going to uh, be sharing a message called Make an Appeal to the King, Make an Appeal to the King, and I'm I'm really, have been praying the Lord would use this to really help you today and to encourage you, to strengthen you in your your walk with Christ. Before I get going, let me share something um, uh, humorous, at least, I think it's humorous. If it offends you, please send all letters to Pastor Mark (laughs) of, uh, so there's, Three guys that were friends, they were believers, young men, and they had a, a horrible car accident. And they all went to heaven. They all died. And they're walking into the pearly gates, and the, the St. Peter meets them there and says, Welcome to heaven, boys. And he said, We only have one rule in heaven, and that is don't step on the ducks. And sure enough, they walked through the pearly gates, and everywhere you looked, there was ducks. And the first guy was not paying attention. Right away, he stepped on a duck. Right away, Simon Peter showed up and chained him to the ugliest woman he'd ever seen. And St. Peter said, your punishment for all eternity for stepping on a duck is to be chained to this ugly woman. And he walked off. Well, was it just a few days later when the second man accidentally stepped on a duck? And there was Simon Peter and chained him to the ugliest woman he'd ever seen. And gave him the same admonition and walked off. Well, the third guy learned his lesson. He's not stepping on ducks. He's going on for months and months and months. And one day Simon Peter shows up and chains him to the most gorgeous, beautiful, attractive woman he's ever seen, and then walked off. And the man said, I don't know what I did to deserve you. And she looked at him and said, I don't know about you, but I stepped on a duck. <laughs> don't, don't step on a duck. I feel like my beautiful wife must have stepped on a duck. To, my, my favorite scripture, it, it, it's been my favorite scripture, the entirety of my uh, walk with Christ is from Romans chapter 8. And it's really a summation of, of hope and promise to every believer when it says this at verse 28, we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God, called according to his purpose. God's promise is in our story, there's nothing so bad. God can't put his hand on it and make it become good. God loves to take the worst thing that happened to you and make it become the best thing he does through you. He's so powerful he can do that. And that's God's promise. And just a couple things I like reminding my church of based on that truth is that if it's not good yet, it only means God's not done yet. That we don't, We don't open books midway through and make a conclusion, a calculus on what the ending is. And you can't determine how something is going to end when you prematurely inspect it. And God says, if it's not good yet, just hang in there. I'm not done yet. When the Lord made creation, he looked back and he created the universe and the planet and uh, animals, plants, birds, fish, seas, oceans, streams, everything beautiful. And every time he created, he stepped back and said, it's good. Yeah. And the process isn't over till God says, it's good. Yeah. It's good. And no matter how tough it looks, no matter how hard it is, no matter how hurtful it's been, God's not done. Yeah. Don't quit, my friend. Give God the chance to write a good ending to your story. And I, I forgot to say this. That I wrote a little book about my story, God of the Comeback. And when I talk about, I'll, I'll, I'll briefly talk about those things today. And then What is Heaven Saying is another book on the gift of prophecy that just came out a couple weeks ago. And those are available. And uh, I also i am following in my son's footsteps. I released a piano album three weeks ago. Just me on the piano. Uh, <laughs> on i think itunes is in uh, spotify too it's 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 not great but it's all original (laughs) i will say that i want to read to you that i'm kind of going to be building from this text our our main themes today from second kings chapter eight in the eighth chapter of the book of second kings i'll i'll read you these six verses then we'll talk about them elijah spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life That's told in the previous chapters. Arise, you and your household, and stay any place you can, for the Lord has called for a famine, and furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. We said, a famine's coming, it's the duration, seven years. It's best if you leave this territory, go somewhere else. So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the man of God. She went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines seven years. So she responded to a prophetic word, to God's will, to God's guidance, to the word from God, and she moved away. And then she's going to move back. At the end of seven years, verse 3 says, she returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to make an appeal to the king for her house and for her land. So while she's away, um, her her land had been dispossessed. Her her house had been taken. So someone had taken possession of it through either legal or or extra legal mechanisms and means and so she's in the the throne room the courtyard this big um, this big audience of people that have similar kinds of petitions or are needing help and she's come now to ask for her land and her property back and we're going to come back to that that God's given us permission to ask for everything back the enemy has stolen from our lives and from our story we have that kind of legitimate promise from God. Yeah. And so while, while she's in this congregation, just picture a large group of people, probably in the hundreds because after the famine, there would be all kinds of things wanting to happen. And in this environment, verse 4 says, the king is talking with Gehazi, who was the servant of Elijah. And he said, please tell me all the great things that Elijah has done. So the king says, tell me some great testimonies like Anna's and tell me some great stories about the miracles, 18 of them that you saw Elijah do. And so it happened that as Gehaziah was telling the king how Elijah had restored the dead to life, that there was the woman whose son he had restored to life appealing to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehaziah said, my lord King, this is the woman and this is her son whom Elijah restored to life so while he's telling this story he begins telling it not knowing she's there and midway through or toward the end of it he says you're not going to believe this the woman's right there the son's right there and the king then says to the woman in verse 6 the king asked the woman and she told him he said are are you the woman she said, yes, I'm the woman. And so the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, restore all that was hers and all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left until the and left the land until now. Give her back everything that, that she's lost and give her back the income it would have generated had she not lost it. Lord, thank you for this wonderful celebration at Ocean's Church. Let's pray that you would just Fall on his Holy Spirit, anoint your servant, your word, and your people. Yes. Capture us and speak to us, and let us go home changed. Yes. We thank you for your healing presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. Yes. So the king said, you're going to get it all back. And I just want to speak this word to some folks here today, that there's nothing lost in your story that God can't replenish, restore, renew. There's a great verse, a great scripture in the book of Joel, and it says this in Joel 2.25. God says, I will restore the years to you. I'll I'll reach back in time, and I'll give you what they should have given you, and I'll give back to you what they took from you. That's how great God is, how powerful he is. There's a man in the Bible named Job, as Patrick says, Mark says, Job. And in Job 42, verse 10, at the end of Job's journey, the Bible says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job, restored his losses, when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had lost. If you read the book of Job, there was 18 intense months. That's about how long we think the storms of adversity hit his life. And yet he ended up with twice as many kids and cattle and sheep. And the Bible gives even numerical exact numbers that we might know that God really kept score and kept track of all those things. And I, I, I love this story because it gives hope to people that have lost things. When uh, We had a great lunch yesterday with uh, uh, Pastor Mark and I. We were talking about uh, this region and um, the history, that how the whole world's been affected by Orange County and yeah. by California. That the major moves of God the last century have come from California to America, to the world, from Azusa Street in L.A. to the Jesus People Movement in Orange County, that that was about 50 years ago, the other a little over 100 years ago, and that God's not done in California. And just like you're saying, another wave is coming, a worldwide wave of revival and impact, but there are... God's putting it on our hearts to be like that woman and make an appeal that we want everything you promised California and Orange County can have, that I want everything you promised my family could have. I want everything you promised my life that I could have. That's the petition, and that's the faith God wants us to have as his people. So just a couple of ideas about this. First of all, as the woman was... Standing in line in this great, you know, group of maybe hundreds of people, her name came up in conversation from the king and from the assistant of Elijah. And I just want to say this, your story and your name have come up in conversation in the throne room of God. God's talking about you in his courts. He's talking about you in the spiritual realm of his kingdom. God's been thinking about you and talking about you and talking about your story. Your story is not over, God's not done. God's not finished. God's not fin I don't care what your age is. Stop giving up on your dreams because you hit a certain age. God loves to give The Bible says, he'll give old men dreams, old women dreams. If you're never too old for a new dream from God. And so she's there and she's highlighted and she's spotted and and, and she may have been at the the very back of the line and she was brought to the front of the line because God had a purpose and a plan for her. God had something wonderful for her life that he was going to reveal. God's going to do the same thing in your story. God's going to help you. God's going to restore your life. My, my story, and I'm honored to share it with my amazing uh, son and daughter-in-law here today, We've, um, my wife and I have been married 41 years, and uh, just like Pastor Mark said about his lovely wife, the very best thing God ever gave me besides Jesus was Mary, and um, I just every day I thank God for the Holy Ghost and Mary, uh, not that one, my, my Mary. They keep me in line. I got the <laughs> conviction for both of them. Yeah. And uh, we, we have four kids and seven grandkids, a super seven. When Mary and I began our first church in my boyhood hometown of Scottsdale, Arizona, when we were 27, and it was just like there were so many similarities in our beginning to what I feel here. When the right person comes to the right place at the right time, there's a synergy called Destiny, and I believe your pastors are the right people. This is the right place, and this is the right time. And God blessed our church, and it grew to many thousands after a few years. Our worship leader was a fellow named Israel Houghton that we raised up supernaturally, and Ricardo Sanchez was a youth pastor. Just a bunch of really cool things happened. And in our 10th year, in 1995, we were building our first building uh, that we would own, And it was about halfway up. It it was a 4,800-seat auditorium in Scottsdale. And in August of 1995, our church treasurer, a local businessman, a prominent business person, embezzled $20 million from our church. So he went to jail, and I went to hell is the story there. So we had a massive public scandal. We never got the money back, and we ended up uh, growing our church from... 4,500 or so to 140 on Sundays. That's the wrong way on the charts, church, church growth. And uh, everything, our family was homeless for almost a year. And uh, everything that could go wrong, death threats, uh, six lawsuits, two of them were class action, 15 concurrent attorneys. And often I would spend four or five hours every day uh, with attorneys because of the, the necessary processes of working through the legal system and so life was really hard uh, for me I became depressed and and I became clinically manically and often suicidally depressed and uh, because when hope walks out depression walks in Proverbs 13:12 says hope deferred makes your heart sick but when desire comes when when hope comes is the tree of life and uh, hope is the oxygen of the human soul we don't do good without hope but our body, even the chemistry of our body, our DNA responds so well to hope. But I became depressed because I I couldn't see a bright future. I was 37, my heart was broken, my hopes were dashed, my dreams were dashed, my hopes were stolen, and I thought life was over. And uh that's that that's my story. And about a couple years into that journey, um I I um a couple of simultaneous things happened. I was finishing my master's and then my doctorate degree in, in psychology. So it was really good. Like I tell people, I laid down my own couch and said, sir, you're very sick. I said, I know it. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was amazingly strategic that God did all that at that time. But the Lord spoke to me one day when I was driving my older two kids to school, and um, our, my oldest son, not Timmy, his older brother, started self-medicating with marijuana, and they graduated to cocaine and became addicted to drugs because of the heartache our family had gone through. And uh, those things happened, and I'm driving it down. I would take the older two kids to high school every day, about three hours on the freeway, uh, um, drive dropping them off and picking them up. And uh, the Holy Spirit whispered to me one day, and he said this, Michael, if you will forgive the people that have hurt you, I will make you forget the pain they've caused you. If you forgive them, the pain will leave. It sounded too good to be true, especially when you've been really, really hurt. My best, I felt betrayed by my best friend, one of the pastors. A bunch of things happened. And uh, through it all, you know, and um, I, I actually had made a list of people. And I, I wasn't praying for God to forgive him. I was praying the Old Testament. It's like, Lord, it will really heal my heart if you kill them all. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. So it's amazing. I lifted my voice to God, and I demanded justice. And God pointed his finger at me and demanded forgiveness. So, I made a list, I checked it twice, everybody was naughty, nobody was nice, and I prayed for people, and at the beginning of it, I really wrestled with it. Have you ever done something in your faith that you felt unemotionally attached, that you didn't feel, you know, know, some of us begin our praise service, like, that's why we need three songs, it takes us the first two to warm up, you know, by the third one, we're into it. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I'll, I will do what you say about confessing and professing forgiveness. But I feel like a hypocrite because if I say things from my mouth that my heart doesn't mean, that, isn't, that, isn't that just being hypocritical? And when I said that, he gave me this amazing mental picture, and it was of a train. And the train, this long train, and the engine, this big, huge engine, had the word, I think, in like bright red, faith. Emblazoned across it. And maybe down a hundred cars was the caboose and it had the word feelings on it. And I knew what God was telling me that if I would set my faith in motion and forgive people, eventually the feelings would come. And sure enough, I'm praying four times a day for these people and just quoting scriptures and praying good things, but having no internal kind of agreement or emotional confirmation, or really even passion attached to it, and about seven or eight weeks into it, I'm doing, I'm praying for them by name again, and the glory of God came into my car, and all I could describe, I I began to uncontrollably uh, cry, and I don't know how I made it home, but I'm parked now in my driveway, and, and two things happened that were significant. Number one, I realized all the pain was gone all the pain was gone and that's that's like wow and secondly which was almost as significant as the first point i felt oceans of love for the people that had broken my heart i felt compassion for them it was like god gave me a heavenly perspective of their own stories instead of only my my own view And the Lord healed me by forgiveness, and he helped me walk out of the pit of depression by forgiving the people that threw me into it. And I want to tell you this, that in this season, this is an intense season where we know in mental health fields that things are spiking off the charts. We have not seen such mental health issues since World War II. So depression, millennials wait. A recent poll said 75% of millennials are facing depression in uh, about 40-some percent of baby boomers. So people that have never battled with these things are facing them. And I just want to tell you that Jesus specializes in healing broken hearts. There's no pain in you that he can't heal. And, And part of my depression was, I couldn't imagine God ever making the thing I was going through good. How can how can you make this purely evil event good? But now I look back 20 years later and I see He's He's turned it all for good. That we have a new church as a healing place, where people we have 100 nationalities in our church, and people come from all over our city because they they know that the, the healing grace of God is there. God's given me a ministry for hurting people because I went through hurt myself. He turned it for good. He turned it for good. And I just want to really encourage you that our, our job is to not quit before heaven shows up and before breakthrough comes and before, and before God turns things and to trust Him and to believe Him. And then, like this woman, your healing's not complete it's one thing for God to take away pain that we feel about a person or an event or a circumstance, a loss, a death, a divorce, whatever it is. It's another thing for you to get back what you've lost. And this woman wasn't just coming back to Israel. She, she was making an appeal. I want my stuff back. I want my house back, and I want the, the business that her farm generated. And God gave her, and the king gave authority to a servant and said, restore everything that was hers. We need to pray prayers in this season about God restoring everything that he intended California to be. He intended Orange County to be. He intended your family to be. He intended you to be. And that we not allow the enemy to tell us that we can't get back things that seem like they're lost or forfeited or stolen or somehow unapproachable, unreachable. It's just simply not true. God can give you back what the enemy has taken from your life. And he loves to do it. He can't wait to do it in your life. and story. And one of the ways that I, you know, I felt God, God kind of took me back to kindergarten when I was 37. And I had built a life off of my achievements. I, I built a life of personal significance by accomplishments. And when I lost my accomplishments, I lost my identity. And so I had to go back to kindergarten in the kingdom. And my first lesson was Jesus loves me. This I know. Big church, little church, no church. Jesus loves me as much on my worst day than my best day. He loves me when I'm changing the world. He loves me when I'm hiding from the world. He, he, he loves me all the time. Your identity is the key that unlocks your destiny. And that's why the enemy will always wage war against your identity, trying to steal who you are as God's child. But you are a son. You are a daughter of God. You're a history maker. You're a world shaker. You're more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ. And the the God that raised Christ from the dead can raise your circumstances. My beautiful wife calls me Lazarus all the time because she knows what it's like to live with a dead guy and watch God raise him up. And in our city, in our community, people come to our church all the time, Tim and Melissa know this, just to see the miracle church. Because when you have a whole city give up on you, we had 10 front page stories, headlines of the front page in a negative way. The only other person who's ever been famous in my family is my son for being an athlete. He made the paper for being a star. I made the paper for having a scandal. I want to change places. With... But God took all that pain and shame away from my heart. Many of the people that participated in aggressive acts, either legally or personally against my life those years ago, have rejoined our church. And we've loved them as if nothing ever happened. God's done so many miracles in all of the story. Listen, it's so good to have an enemy's list with no one on it but the devil. <laughs> you with me? I went through two and a half years. I was afraid to go out of my house. The whole city's talking about you. You know, I'm, I'm in disguise at Walmart. <laughs> people people pointing, that's the guy. That's the, I saw that guy in the paper. I saw that guy in the news, whatever. And, uh, you know, God, God, God healed me so massively that not only is the pain gone, but God's given me a passion to see hurting people healed. My beautiful Rose Moon, I, I, I'll tell the story. I told her last night, um, but she was born June two years ago. We were so excited. She was born at the hospital here in Newport Beach, uh, the Hoke Hospital. It was so fun. Everything's perfect. And it was... Um, uh, just, a, just a fun time. Their first uh, child, uh, Tim and Melissa's. And Timmy's, Timmy's just glowing. Dad, we had a, we had a girl and uh, her name is Rose Moon Maiden. I said, huh? <laughs> I, think, uh, I think I misheard something there. What's her name? Rose Moon Maiden. And so my son is prophetic. He's just the funnest guy ever. Creative and dynamic, eclectic. So he, he I, I put my arm around. Now, Timmy, someday little Rose Moon will be in grade school. And I, I, I don't know how the moon things is going to go over with all the other little kids from Orange County. He said, no, Dad, Dad, you don't understand. I love her to the moon and back. I love, Dad, she, she's, she's, she's Rose Moon. And so there, so I, I gently pulled back. Okay, Rose Moon, I'll get used to it. And... uh he that, that night it was a beautiful full moon and I think we were on the seventh floor of the hoke hospital, the windows open, we're facing the Pacific Ocean, and the moon's just like shining right right across the waters, right into our window. And the nurse comes in and says, Hey, hey, it's a full moon. You know, in, in America it's a harvest moon because of our harvest cycles. Then she said, In Europe it's called a rose moon. Then I got slain in the Holy Spirit. uh, (laughs) Forgive me, Jesus. I almost messed up my beautiful granddaughter's destiny. (laughs) Gross move. And my my, uh, middle granddaughter is London, and she's just the funnest girl ever, and she's precocious and just super fun. Her and I watched the movie Frozen 48 times and, uh, and w- when I sit next to her, she'd always say, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And she'd make sure I couldn't turn away from the screen. Watch, poppy, watch, poppy. Here comes, poppy. And so for, for like six months, every night, I'd, I'd be tormented, laying in my bed. Lord, please take that song out of my head. Let it go, let it go, let it go. It wouldn't go, it wouldn't go, it wouldn't go. And uh, the word, the New Testament word for forgiveness is a And it means to shoot an arrow. It means to let it go. When you let go of forgiveness, heaven lets go of healing. And God meets you and heals you. And, uh, but London said to me, she grabbed my cheeks. I I think she's about three and a half, maybe four. She grabbed my cheeks. She squeezed them. She got right in my face. She said, poppy. You 're the funnest person in the whole world. that's going on my tombstone. Here lies the funnest person in the whole world. Now, I said that to say this: my grandchildren never knew an unhappy man. So the oldest is 15. they 've never known depressed, manic, suicidal person because Jesus made me new. And I don't know I don't know your story. I just know this. My story should have made me a drunk, should have broken up my marriage, should have put me in mental hospital. And all those things might have happened except I had someone in my life named Jesus. And when I was ready to give up, he didn't give up. When everyone left, he stayed. And no one's more, when you lose everything, you appreciate anything. And I'm just so glad that God's allowed me to not only be alive and to have a wonderful family, but to serve His church. I have just nothing but the gratitude and constant humility that after my story, God has allowed all this to happen. But I just want to encourage you, if God could raise me from my place of despair, brokenness, and depression, He can raise you. If God can restore my family, He can restore your family. If God could give me a second chance he can give you a second chance or a 30th chance. Just don't give up. That's I did a thousand things wrong. I did one thing right. I didn't quit. I didn't give up. I didn't stop believing. And let us declare over you the same God that did so many things for me. is going to do so many things for you and for your family. My Lastly, I'll say this. My oldest son who struggled with drugs for seven years and when he was Of age, He was a star athlete like his brother. And he moved out of the house, and and we literally had drug dealers scoping out our house because they wanted to kill him and the police knocking on our door trying to arrest him. And I just would lay on his bed, not knowing where he was, and praying that he wouldn't die that night. And the Lord came and kind of rebuked me and said, You're talking about your son wrong. And he said, I want to remind you of all the things I said he'd be. And I want you to change the way you talk about your son's future and his life. And I ran and I told my wife, honey, God wants us to declare over our son, who he said he'd be. We've been praying for seven years and really nothing happened. He'd been in treatment several times and nothing really took. Within seven weeks of us changing the way we talked about our son, he was always a great son, respectful and loved his family. And when he'd show up with with bloodshot eyes, I put his, my arm around. I said, "Son, you're going to change the world. You're a history maker. You're a world shaker. You're going to be a great father, a husband. You're going to be a great leader." He said, "Yeah, Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah." But Jesus Christ visited my son. He was playing college basketball, and he wanted to see a girl, and she tricked him. And she said, "I'll only see you if you come to my church." And I want to praise God for all the pretty girls at Ocean's Church. They're going to bring men here. Hallelujah. And he's in the back row. just waiting for church to get over so he can date this cheerleader, whoever she was. And the power of God fell on him. And he fell out in the aisle. And he shook for 90 minutes. And when he got up, he was free from a cocaine addiction and every other addiction broken off of him in Jesus' name. I don't know how your kids are doing I just know what Jesus did for my Matthew he can do for your son your daughter no matter where they are no matter what's happened don't give up Isaiah 16 says lift up your eyes and see your sons and daughters coming home from far places and now Matthew's wife is our executive pastor Matthew's a pastor at church but that's not I'm talking about he just had his fourth child he's got a flourishing business he's everything god said he would be he's become we're very grateful but we had to participate we have to participate in our own restoration by what we believe and what we declare and if you i want to pray for some folks if you say pastor i've been struggling with depression maybe it's just long-term discouragement maybe heightened anxiety or hopelessness if that's you just just put your hand in your heart and we're just going to pray and the Holy Spirit's gonna touch you. I'm honored and humbled that you've come to church today. If this is your first time here, this is a great church. And like Pastor shared, Pastor Mark shared so uh, wonderfully earlier, man, keep coming here and watch what God will do on you. But I declare over you in Jesus' name that 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 the love of God, Jesus said, I've come to heal broken hearts. I've come to set captives free. I've come to open prison cells. And I declare that the same God who healed me of depression is healing you now. The same God that set me free from anxiety is setting you free. Thank you, Father, for healing every heart here, every life here, every mind here. No more panic attacks. No more sleepless nights. No more suicidal thoughts. No more constant grief. And, Father, whatever they need, I thank you that you have the remedy in the atoning grace and blood of your son so touch these wonderful men and women touch them all god break patterns in families break generational curses create new dynamics and god restore hope uh, you know your heart is healthy when it dreams again and god's going to make your heart dream again about your future the future he's planned and dreamed for your life thank you lord for your faithfulness jesus name thanks for listening to our podcast have a great week